0: I think there's no one way to do anything. There's so many different ways and so many different approaches. and, And that gives me the confidence to just really believe in myself.
1: Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion Behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise Podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise.
2: Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. Artists have the ability to make their dreams manifest visually. It takes time and stamina, a lot of skill, and a good sense of how to work the magic when you're in the studio. Our guest today, Lenise Howard, is a brilliant young artist making some tremendous work. Her latest show, and then they heard the wind, is up right now through July 3rd at Seasons LA, away on the West Coast, had a beautiful opening. We talk about that a little bit. Don't worry if you miss it. She got a lot of stuff going on. She she all over the place. You'll be you'll get a chance to see her. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. You can always find her. Lenise talks about developing her narratives from dreams and writing. How she produces these stunning paintings from references to studio vibes, experimentation, her keen sense of color. And of course, you know, your boy JB want to talk about his favorite pieces (laughs) that he see. She makes some tremendous work. So I'm glad we get to talk to her and hear from this shining star in black contemporary art. It's Studio Noise, the voice of black art. And every week I'm bringing you all the artists that you want to know and you need to know. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts, please rate and write a review. We want to let everybody know about the noise. Get us pumped up in them charts, the art charts. I don't I don't know too many art podcasts that's better than this, honestly. Go ahead and follow us on IG at Studio Noise Podcast. Check out the website, www.StudioNoisePodcast. And if you really like what you hear, if you really want to support an archive of contemporary black artists telling their stories in their own words, Go ahead join the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. And I sure do appreciate everybody that gives money to the platform. I sure do appreciate it. I can't tell you how much. If you're in Atlanta, you roll around this weekend, or you roll around anytime, go make sure you stop by the Black Art of America Gallery. I'm going to keep talking about it because that's my man. I'm My people out there, they're making a great new space. I'm going to give you the address. It's 1802 Connolly Drive, East, East Point, Georgia, right down past Tyler Perry Studios, is right down there. They're making this tremendous space right there in the heart of East Point. Uh, the community's involved in it. You can see it on the street when you're rolling by. You see that big old garden they got right there in the front. You see murals by Studio Noise fam Charmaine Menafield, and Fabian Williams. So make sure you go ahead and stop by. They got plenty of art in there. They got sculptures, all kinds of stuff. Pieces from all over the spectrum. They got Kevin Johnson, Alfred Conte, Kevin Cole, Najee Dorsey. They got your boy Jay Barber in there. <laughs> you can see what a Jay Barber piece is. So honored to be a part of it, Joe. So make sure you go check this out. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a tremendous space. And so when they when these programs get started, baby, woo, no programs get started, it's gonna be the place to go for black art in Atlanta. It's got to be. I'm telling you. So go to Black Art America, blackartamerica.com. Go ahead check them out so you can see more. Go ahead and stop by, yo. It's you won't regret it. I promise you. If you love art, you love studio noise. You gotta stop by there and check it out yo all right if you roll around you ready to listen to this get yourself excited pumped up you want to hear from the premier artist that's doing it right now you tune into the show go ahead and tell your friends this the noise baby we got the superstars in the house and today right after the break we got lanice howard right here on the noise yes I am Reginald Laurent, a multidisciplinary abstract artist, and you are listening to Studio Noise. All right, it's your boy Jay Barber, Studio Noise, the voice of black art, bringing you the very best in black contemporary art all around. Today we got super special guests. We got Lanise Howard on the show. How are you doing, girl?
0: i'm doing
2: good how y'all doing <laughs> we we out here yo we out here not quite out here as much as you are you're one of the one of the best painters that's doing it right now love your work it's absolutely oh, beautiful we you. definitely gonna get all into it all into your art and, and the practice and all that good stuff right now i want people to know it's lenisehoward.com where they can go to your website at Lanise underscore Howard underscore Studio on IG, fantastic pictures up there. lanice we find you fresh off of your opening at Seasons LA. Yeah. And then, yeah. They, and then they heard the wind just open, closes. It's open until July third. Fantastic pictures. Everybody just looking, see, it's one of them LA openings. Them LA yeah. openings. Everybody <laughs> dressing up. They looking nice. The artists nice. The people nice. They drinking. They having a good old time. Out there, tell me how was it, yo?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. It was really. It honestly exceeded my expectations. Um, Guy Rusha, the director, well, the owner operator of, of Seasons, and then you know Patrick, the director, they worked with me the whole time, and honestly, they they were just so amazing. I feel like so lucky to be working with them, and I, I met Guy kind of right after after graduation, and he was telling me about this gallery that he wanted to start. And I just, you know, he basically built it from the ground up, they gutted the building and and I was, you know, we were, you know with each other the whole process. And so to see it kind of come to fruition and, and you know, my show idea that I gave him early on and I've been working on it for several months and for it all to kind of come together was of course such a, a happy moment and I was just so grateful. And even seeing family come out you know, to the show and, you know, the whole vibe was just, it was just a good vibe. Oh, you know, man. not every opening is always a <laughs> type of vibe.
2: So. Oh man, you ain't never lie about that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it, was about just, it. Just, it was just an amazing vibe. And I'm, and I feel like what I wanted people to take from the show, people were taking from it. And that was just such a, a good feeling to know that, you know, my intention was communicated and, yeah, I'm was, I was just, I was really over the moon, honestly.
2: That's what's up, yo. And how long did it take you to work on the show? You said just a couple months?
0: No, so I was working on the show since about October of last year.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: so I had a, I had a solo show with Mindy Solomon in Miami and, Ooh, in look, September. Oh, look at and, you. And, yeah, and so then right after that, I had started working on his show. And, you know, I had a couple of group shows in between them, but really I had started working on... The show with seasons right after and like October, and you know, working on the ideas, the studies, and then you know, getting like reference images and that whole kind of creative process. And started working on the paintings like probably in November. And so, the like the really large one took me off and on maybe six months.
2: Wow! <laughs> so, man, that's that's awesome. It looks like it, I can tell you that right now. A lot I mean, of hard
0: work, <laughs> yeah. It, look,
2: it looks like it, they look absolutely beautiful. I love your use of color. I love your Thank figures, you. and we definitely want to get into all that, so let's talk about the show. Uh, on Instagram, you describe it, the story of migration, rumor, and the winds of change, parallel universes, the analogous world, and strange skies, and the changing of climate. Man, that's a lot yeah, <laughs> that they, <laughs> they put into a show, so tell me, tell us what your intention yeah. was going into the show. So
0: actually, this show is kind of the sequel to the show at Mindy Solomon. And so I was originally kind of trying to craft this universe through paint. And I'm like, okay, I want to kind of create, craft the universe and introduce certain characters and certain archetypes. And I was really envisioning this world, which I call the analogous world, that's adjacent to our own, kind of like a parallel universe. And in that world, these, these figures, these characters, which I was calling chameleons because they're ever-changing, ever-evolving... And I really gave that title to these black figures because I, I thought about us as black people and how we're always, you know, kind of ebbing and flowing and evolving and, you know, kind of navigating these new territories. And so I, you know, I gave them that name and really I was just kind of creating a setting for them. And I was imagining this world that had never been colonized and how would they how would they be in this world. And so that earlier show with Mindy, it was really about them becoming one with the, the land, and there was this this element of indigeneity and, and kind of going back to like elements of the past. And so in a way, I sometimes call it the future past because I think about this analogous world often like in a, in a kind of chronological way, kind of tying it in with the past of our ancestors, but then also envisioning this future, yeah, I was giving it like titles like The Analogous World, The Space of New Possibility. And but with this show, I wanted to kind of bring in some drama. So I then started to think about our world and how, you know, this analogous world is parallel to it. And so I was thinking of how can I tell certain stories that have affected our world, but in this in this kind of parallel way. Mm. So in in this story, and then they heard the wind. The wind is actually the colonizer.
2: Mm, okay.
0: And so when I say the wind acts as a colonizer, ready to come and strip the land of its like resources, basically. Mm, and so like there's a storm. this storm. Build- yeah, storm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the, the the um and then they heard the wind. is the moment where they see and hear this wind coming to um be this wind of change. But there's this kind of silver lining in the story somewhat that I'm kind of leaving open ended where I want it to, you know, be the storm, but also this feeling of like they're going to survive it. And so really it's like the calm before the storm, this show. And the next solo show that I have in Italy is going to actually be the storm or the aftermath of the storm. So uh, I'm just kind of continuing this narrative, I guess.
2: (laughs) I I love that. Let me get into that a little bit, but talk about how much does the narrative mean to you? How much uh, does the narrative affect how you are visualizing the work in the first place?
0: Well, it's definitely guiding the work. Um, I'm always kind of re-examining the narrative as I go along. You know, I I definitely, because originally I was going to have this show called the, um, Mass psychosis, which is very different than what it ended up being, and I was thinking of also this like idea of storm or this idea of like deluge or or apocalypse, and how in previous times during like these traumatic moments throughout history, we've had to try to figure things out, and there was this idea of the mass psychosis, which was presented in like during the medieval times during the Black Plague, and how people kind of had this psychosis that really permeated through the population because of like all the death and and things that were going on. So those ideas were also kind of in my mind, like when we were dealing with the pandemic. And so i was I was trying to like pull from like my my lived experience, but also pulling from this like idea of chronology like within the black experience when i when I talk about migration, and I was specifically kind of, influenced by certain, you know, images from early black, you know, artists, african american artists who were you know talking about like the great migration. Yeah. And and how, you know, we had to leave from one area to another to like escape this thing that was affecting us, you know, this this very bad thing. And so that that's also kind of influencing the work. But yeah, I'm I'm pulling from so many things. I mean, I have like this narrative that I'm thinking about that's very kind of almost ethereal in a way. And it's very like, you know, I guess heavy story, but then I'm also juxtaposing that with, with the, with things that don't necessarily fit um, so concretely. And that's what makes it like a little bit more interesting, you know, cause I tell myself this, these are paintings, these are, you know, they're meant to be somewhat open-ended. I want them to, I want people to be able to take many different things from them. And I don't want them to be so overarching, the narrative to be so overarching that, you know, people can't enter into the work.
2: Right. Right. But a narrative doesn't have to be so dominant in everything you do. There's room for yeah. so much allegory and, and like you said, drama, your word, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and bringing it into what you do. And so I, I like it in, in seeing the work all together, um, it really gives you a sense of like you're painting these moments. And as you describe it, as like the calm before the storm, you're catching all of these people um, transitioning in a way, like in between it. So tell me about a piece like to be moving like the wind, um, which is a phenomenal piece. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the movement of it, the color of it, all of it is just spectacular. It <laughs> is just an amazing job at it. But tell me about that piece. Thank you.
0: So originally that piece was inspired by a, a piece by Jacob Lawrence and it's one of the migration paintings from the migration series. And so I was kind of thinking, yeah, I was kind of thinking of that painting and you know, he has a group of black figures going in a direction and then you have like the birds kind of following them. And so I was kind of thinking about that, but I didn't want to like just, you know, copy that composition and then like kind of make my own painting based off it. I wanted to think about it as you know, a kind of a point of, of the thought for the painting, but I also wanted to kind of leave my own imagination to try to explore it in a different way. So I, I started thinking about some of my o- older paintings and I had this one painting called The Arrival that was in the Minnie Solomon show. And it had like this grass that was, you know, kind of very articulated and the figures were just, you know, kind of very stoic in the landscape. And then i I thought about how could I have like figures in a similar landscape, but moving towards a destination that was not as calm. So really, they're kind of going the wrong direction in the painting. They're going from like this kind of light background into like a more darker, kind of moody, moodier sky. And also the birds are going the opposite way. So like in jacob Lawrence's painting they're going the same direction but in this one they're going the opposite way and then I just kind of started to just think about different ways that I could kind of bring in this this narrative of them like going into a kind of a more tumultuous journey and then I, I a lot of the backgrounds I imagine them from my imagination so I, I just kind of pulled them from you know images that I might look at or images that I might see just from my studio window. Mm-hmm. And then and then I'll kind of think about them. And then when I'm creating the backgrounds, I'll just kind of let my imagination go. And um I was really thinking about like clouds of Jupiter with that with that sky.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I
0: really <laughs> I was just wanting I wanted the, the clouds to be this character. I wanted them to also be kind of a center of attention.
2: Yeah, I love it, Joe. I love it. I love the movement, and so this could be um one of the one of the places where we go into your process a little bit, and you talk some about reference images. Did did you find all these people and pose them and put them together like how do how does that work in you capturing the references?
0: Yeah, so for about ninety to ninety five percent of the the paintings, they all are based off of a reference that I photographed myself. Usually, how the process starts is actually starts with writing, so I write a lot. I write a lot of poetry, and then I also write, you know, kind of down the narratives and the things that I'm thinking about. Certain words that stand out to me, and then I revisit that and, and build upon that, and start thinking of a specific narrative. And then from there, I'll sketch either images that I have in my dreams or images during my conscious moments, and you know, I I, I just kind of start thinking about like composition and. And how how these can interact as a painting? How could they work as a painting? And then from there, I hire models to then pose in the orientations of the sketch, and that gives me like a more concrete founding of what you know I can build upon. And then from there, I use that mixed with my earlier sketches, and you know start building out the outline of the painting. But once I start painting, there is still a lot of it that's intuitive. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
0: so a lot of the backgrounds often come from my imagination or, you know, I'll just add things that aren't in the reference. And because a lot of times, I mean, as you can probably see in that, in that painting and then, um, to be moved with like the wind there, they weren't in that scene. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could get a reference image like that, but probably couldn't. So um, you know, I just have to work the magic behind the behind the <laughs> curtain and kind of make them acclimated into the scene and and you know bring it all together. And, and sometimes it can be easy, and then sometimes it could be a little a little hard. Um, and then probably the five to ten percent of the time, sometimes I'll see images that do inspire me, or I'll have images that I'll you know I'll take just on my drive to downtown or you know i've also seen a couple of images on instagram that inspired me um but that's very seldom because there's something about me crafting the image myself i I feel a lot i feel in control of it right and um but for the show there was one image that i saw on instagram that i did Resonate with, and it became a foundation of one of the paintings, and and it was very similar to the other images that I took of the models in this kind of landscape, um, hilly terrain around Los Angeles, and and that's one of the good things about being in LA is there's a lot of nature, even though there's a lot of like concrete and city, there's a lot of like nature and hills and mountains and you know um, flora that i can use for the for the paintings because i guess there's this very kind of there's a lot of nature in some of the paintings yeah and um those are some they're pulled either directly or indirectly from me being in this landscape i think
2: and so you grew up in la
0: i was okay so it's kind of a long story but i was born in la but the first five years of my life i lived in a a little city called um, Calexico, which is right near El Centro, which is right near the border of Mexico.
2: Okay.
0: And then I moved to New York City when I was five, and I lived there for a year, and then we moved to upstate New York. And so I was I was in upstate New York until I was a teenager, and then I also then moved back down to New York City, and then moved to LA. <laughs>
2: Okay, yeah. long story. <laughs> but but
0: yeah, I moved to L.A. when I was a teenager and and then I've been here now for like 12 years.
2: That's what's up. That's what's up. Actually, this when you talk about like the doing the, the poetry and the writing and the dream stuff. How do you know that the idea is the idea that I'm, I'm clarifying? Oh, like that. it's I, the yeah. one. Yeah, I'm gonna clarify a little bit because you are you you just told me you spent six months of your life dedicated to making these like what is it 10 9 10 paintings that yeah, you did for the show 20. that and so like just based on all the writing i'm assuming you're doing a lot because i mean artists you know what i'm saying we always jotting this stuff down and we always got mm-hmm. ideas so <laughs> how do you how do you know like this is it like this i'm ready to spend the next six months on this dream rather than all this other stuff that we got
0: Well, I think there's just like a calling to ill call me in a way, because I have ideas that I think I'm not going to get to until like four or five years from now. So I'm, I'm always thinking like ahead of time. So by the time that it's time to like actually work on the idea, this is something that I've been thinking about usually for years at this, you know, for years really. Um, And And then I'll just feel like, okay, it's time. You know, it's time to kind of talk about it. It's time Mm. time for me to, or I finally can communicate it the right way. I think, you know, some of these paintings were like some of my most ambitious. And I think, you know, if I tried to do them a couple of years ago, probably wouldn't have been as successful Mm. because I didn't maybe, you know, have as good of an understanding of, you know, the technical aspect of it or just I didn't feel confident enough to work on a painting that was like eight eight foot by 12 foot <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's very ambitious indeed for, for, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but they but it, it turns out to be uh, stunning pieces that you have right here I can't tell you enough how much I'm in love with it. especially the color that you use in the skin of the black people like tell me about that like how yeah. do you how do you start to develop that and kind of pull out all these different pinks and and luscious tones out of out of people's skin
0: wow um so i think early on when i and i kind of shared on my story a couple days ago that i was just showing like the journey of like the different sketches and like early paintings and stuff that i had and i guess i always had this strong sense of color that was just there kind of intuitively i guess and then but i i feel like i had to kind of hone it make it more fine tuned. And it really was like it's kind of a mix of like, I guess some people call it like a gift. And then, you know, just practice too. You know, I think I I often see I guess more color than maybe others see. Um because I do a lot of times see a lot of colors within the skin that I kind of feel like everyone sees, but Mm -hmm. then I'm like, maybe there is, there's, I don't know, but I think just trying to find a way to fine tune it. I'm always telling myself this idea of nuance is really important because I think sometimes we can be very overt with how we're trying to communicate something. But I think when you're, when you're doing something in a nuanced way, especially like in my case with color, it, Makes it that much more dynamic because it's like, in a way, you see it, in a way, you don't see it. Like you, the more you look, the more you see.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm always trying to play with that. I think I'm always trying to play with the kind of the complexity first of black skin, and I think that that's something that hasn't really been touched on as much. And um, I'm I'm drawn to that. I'm drawn to the complexity of dark skin and the different tones that I'm able to see in the skin, you know, the blues and the purples and the greens and the reds and the pinks and the lavenders and, you know, like really there's kind of this, I guess some people call it like the iridescence in the skin that I, that I capture and and that's like something that I, it's not like I'm intentionally trying to like, okay, I'm going to make this style of all the paintings are just iridescent. I just really do see it that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's,
0: and it be kind of a, a prism of of color so like when you see you know a highlight um oftentimes when people paint you know skin the, if the person's brown you know it's like the shadow is dark brown and then you know the highlight <laughs> yeah. is, is peach or white and but I really see like it's going from maybe like at the highest highest light you know maybe it's a, a, a cool blue. Uh, or a, a warm, really high, like, tinted white with yellow all the way down to, like, a very dark blue and then everything in between. So, like, from that dark blue, it's going to go to purple, then to a red, then to an orange, then to, you know. And it's really like a spectrum of color that we have in everything. And I kind of realize the more that I look, the more I see it.
2: Yeah. Now, how long do you think it was before you, your technical skills caught up with what you were seeing does that make sense like like did, yeah. it, did it feel like clunky at first like i'm seeing this but it's not quite resolving but then you, yeah, you, you yeah. Up, yeah 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 they end up making a piece like covenant which has the blue tones in it that go all throughout it and then it mixes in with the dresses and the hair and like you know i mean perfectly uh in tune to how you're doing it but yeah how how long did it take you until you, you felt like it matched up to what you were seeing
0: yeah and that actually was the last painting that I did for the show so I'll kind of bridge back to that in the in the um after but um yeah I I think originally it was a bit clunky and I think because I wasn't I didn't have the stamina first of all I think painting is kind of like a sport and it's just like any others in a way it can be like a sport and so I didn't have the the stamina to Work on a painting for six months. First of all, <laughs> um, you know, I, I wanted to work on a yeah. painting in like two days. I wanted to be finished. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, three yeah, days. Yeah. I wanted to be finished, or I would get bored quickly. And I think that, you know, it's I had to like gain that stamina, but then also I had to just have a better understanding of the different kind of, I guess different like aspects of painting and there's really no one way to paint correctly, but there is certain things that you learn and you're like, okay, this, this makes it more impactful in the end. And I just had to kind of hone into that. And really for me, it's been nuanced. Like, I think when I look at older paintings, the things that separates them from the ones today is they're less nuanced.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So like, I had that understanding of color, but it was almost harsher in a way.
2: Mm. It
0: was like I would go from it would almost be jarring, like the transitions would be jarring, um, more jarring than how they are now, whereas now they're they're very they're much more subtle. But in the end, that subtleness actually adds more dynamism. And it's this weird thing. Like when I would because I study a lot of like Painters, especially from the Renaissance, which I think had some of the best painters ever. And I think what makes certain painters really amazing is their ability to create nuance in a way, but then it also creates this dynamism within the painting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I'm always have.
0: teetering on, I'm, I'm always teetering on like kind of nuance, nuance versus dynamism, um, what to, to, to make. You know, line versus form, because I think earlier too I had this kind of graphic element of crafting the paintings, and I I have that still, but it's like lessened. I've lessened it to a point where I feel like it's a good balance. Um, I think with painting in general, you're always trying to find this balance. Mm,
2: I like that. I like that, and I can see some kind of that Renaissance um, kind of technique in some of them, like the the Reformation. Uh, one has a very renaissance kind of poses with all the bodies and stuff. I, yeah, I really like that piece too, uh, but I really want to hear about here. No evil. Like, tell me about this one.
0: Oh, okay. So, you know, originally I, this was one of the first paintings that I did for the show. And that's when I was still kind of thinking, like I was going to name it the mass psychosis. And this painting actually went through a few different evolutions <laughs> on this journey. Yeah, And, I was kind of thinking of like the time of when like the coronavirus started and how we were hearing all this, these mumblings, or we were hearing these like rumors of like what was to come. And it was like some people were like, I don't want to hear that. Or some people were just like, oh, it's gonna be nothing. And then there was other people that were like kind of having a lot of anxiety and really stressed out. And so I was kind of thinking of like, the the two figures being in this, I guess, moment of hearing about what was to come. And the, the male figure is more like subdued and he's like kind of emotionally distraught from it. And then the woman is being there, like kind of protecting him and covering his ears up. Like, we're not going to hear that, you know, hear, uh, hear none of that. Yeah. That's, Yeah, it's all going to be okay. But as you see behind them, the clouds are like billowing behind them. Yeah. And it's kind of like almost this like serene moment before the storm.
2: I love it, yo. (laughs) I love it. Just this strike, just amazing um, sense of balance in the composition as well. Like as you're doing it. It's kind of these black women comforting black men. I love it. I love it kind of stuff, yo.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I want to, I wanted the women to kind of take a leadership role in, in a lot of the paintings
2: Yeah,
0: and um, yeah. And I was always thinking of that, like how to balance, you know, the figures and like the compositions and then like bringing things that would tie them all together, but would also, but at the same time, not being so like overt with that sense of composition where everything is just like mimicking each other. Right. I wanted it to be like every painting kind of stood alone, but at the same time as a collection, you would start to see things that would connect connect them all. And um, I wanted to go back to that painting um, Covenant, and that was actually the experimental painting. And I, I told myself that for every solo show, I want to do one painting that's experimental to kind of push myself and, and just to have fun in the studio, I think sometimes when you're getting, like, caught up into having, like, show after show after show, you forget to have fun. Right. And, um, you know, I, I was, I've was, i been wanting to do, like, these blue paintings for a while. And I actually have a couple that I started and didn't finish. And with this one, I was like, I want to just kind of play with this blue. And I'm going to play with it for a couple more paintings, actually, after have a couple of group shows that the paintings are going to have this blue tone to them. And um, it was really fun to try to like play with color in that way, because even though the painting is like kind of has this blue tone to it, it still has the uh, the qualities of the other paintings and trying to like make that happen was kind of tricky, but fun at the same time.
2: That's awesome. Yo. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about your career As you're going off, you, you, you see all over the place. Like you're really taking off. You say you haven't been painting, but a few years, like full time. Right. And Mm so, so you, you've experienced like quite a bit of success. Like how do you balance that need for you to be experimental with what people are demanding from you? Does that make sense? Or have you even been hit with that kind of thing yet?
0: No, I definitely have. So early on, I think I was hit with it a little bit more when I first started kind of like, I guess, blowing up, um, that, you know, I was working with certain people and, you know, they, they, I feel like they have more of a narrow view of me and my work and what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. and not, no fault to them. I think when you're first starting out, everyone has a narrow view because they don't understand, you know, maybe the capacity of your work because you've only shown a certain amount. And I think, you know, early on I was kind of doing the work that had the pixelation and, um, You know, I had some people say like, okay, this is your thing, like do more of that. And I was doing that and it was fun. But then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I want to try something else. And I also didn't want to be like pigeonholed held, because I saw like a lot of my peers who were doing certain kind of um, elements. And then it was almost like they were being pigeonholed to a certain style. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Every time I think they think I'm pigeonholed, I'm going to do something different.
2: Yeah. And what gives you the, what gave you the idea that to buck the system almost to say that like, no, like this is what y'all want from me, but I want to do this other thing. And this is what y'all going to get. Like, like, I, I think that's a very bold, like, and believe it or not, yeah. some people don't make that make that decision. Some people were, would rather like find a little bit of success and they keep doing that thing <laughs> like constantly, like no yeah, matter what, like, because I- that's what sales, Right.
0: Yeah, and I have to tell myself, like, I'm the artist. <laughs>
2: like, there you go, yeah. <laughs>
0: like, you know, I'm supposed to give people what they're not expecting. And sometimes how I know that I've done something good is when I'll post a painting and it's almost like it takes people off, like it's like they're kind of off guard by it because it's like, what? What is this? You know, it's like different. And I want that. I want that reaction. I want people to kind of like keep looking at it and like kind of being almost, you know, enamored in a way that is, you know, they're just taken off by it. Um, And I want to keep challenging myself. I definitely want to continue this kind of trajectory of, you know, a narrative or certain things within my work. I don't want to just jump too far off, but I also want each time to kind of continue to push. Right. I want to keep pushing. And I, I have so many ideas and you know so many things that I want to try and I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do with an artist, is keep you know evolving and um and luckily I think I'm in a space now where the galleries that I'm with they kind of believe in in me not just believe in like oh I can sell some work for them or you know or that just hop on just because like I have like a buzz or whatever like they really, I feel like they really believe in what I want to do, and they've encouraged me to actually go more in that direction. Whereas before, I would have people tell me, "No, you shouldn't do that," or "Right, you should do this," or "Nah, that's not look, I don't like that." You know, I, I mean, I've had people that didn't, you know, like my work, but they were like working with me, but they were like they didn't like what I was doing, and um, I think you just have to find your your place the The people that believe in you and the places that kind of like cultivate you, right? And and that's definitely difficult in the beginning um, because we're just really trying to find our way. Especially, you know, I just got I just graduated and I was not sure where to go. I wasn't sure like who was good, who was bad, and or who was good for me or who was bad for me. I think now I'm in a good space where it's giving me the courage. And each time I do like with this show, I just it gave me more courage to like continue to experiment and try more things and and then i just want to play with the skies even more like to be to be moved with like the wind i feel like the more i look at it the more i'm enamored, enamored with the sky because it's just it's like a new element in the work that i can kind of play with Hey loves, this is Abby Salami, and I'm a painter based in Dallas, Texas, and you're listening to Studio Noise. Yeah!
2: Right, right, right. I get that because uh, some of your earlier works, and we'll talk about the Pixel series a little bit, uh, those works have more, I would say, almost surreal kind of backgrounds to mm-hmm. them that don't, are not really anything, uh, not in a bad way right? But it's not mm-hmm. specifically identifiable as any one thing. And so that kind of transition, what were, what were you thinking when you were making the pixel pieces? And what inspired that transition? Or was it just a curiosity and exploration that kind of paid off?
0: So, um, well, there was two things. I think part of it was my own kind of experimentation, but then I was also trying to balance, at the time I was going to Otis, and Otis is a very conceptual school, so they're not when I went in, it wasn't very heavy on painting. It was more like on installation and conceptual art. Um, so I kind of had a tough time when I first started at Otis, actually. Um, now there's a lot more painters at Otis. And I feel like I helped that in a way because they started say, okay, well, this figurative artist is doing good. You know, more people like this are welcome now. But when I first started at Otis, it wasn't really the thing to be like, figurative or to be surrealistic Mm -hmm. um and so actually me kind of making the the backgrounds ambiguous was a trade-off actually originally because when i would kind of do a lot more in the background i would have harsher critique.
2: yeah too much pushback on it yeah
0: yeah so i actually kind of felt like i had to like Dumb myself down a little bit, for lack of better words, just to like get people to understand it in a easier way, I think. And, um, but then in a way, it kind of helped me grow because then I had to be, I had to become more like um, communicative. Mm-hmm. I had to like learn how to communicate my work to the broader audience because when you're making work, you're not making work in a vacuum, you're making work for other people to see it. And so I think that was something that I definitely learned at Otis. And when I was doing the pixelation specifically, it was about Black hair being censored. And I had a a specific situation at Otis where I was transitioning out of like wearing extensions and wearing my own hair and um, my natural hair. And, you know, I had some racially charged situations that happened once I did that.
2: Oh, man. And, this is when you did and, the big chop? Is that when it happened?
0: Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, um, yeah, I had a bad situation with a teacher in specific that didn't like that and thought I was going through, like, this mental uh,
2: <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy.
0: And, yeah, it was a whole thing. <laughs> oh, and, man. So, um, and so, it that is what ignited the Pixelation series because I was thinking about how Um. Historically, Black people have had to censor their own hair, and um, so that's kind of where it started. I I, I censored. I had a, a, a image that's not on my Instagram, but I like censored my hair and that censored my my um, breasts with the pixelation. And I was like, "Hmm, there's something here." And so then I just started to kind of like evolve it each time, um, and I also started thinking about censored narratives and how we have just censored so much of our story or so much of our story has been censored. So there was some paintings where I would like pixelate the background or I would pixelate certain elements of the, of the painting. And, um, it was just, I was just like, okay, what else has been censored? I was really just examining kind of this history of, of censorship within the black experience.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that is that your relationship with school now? I mean, but you, when we talking about, this is what I found fascinating when we talk. Uh, that your school situation is about getting your BFA, not your MFA. And that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> like more things I hear people talk about when MFA programs. But with you yeah. with your BFA, like how does that affect your relationship to to art school and how you're thinking well, about education?
0: I definitely think it affected me. Well, you know. Otis likes to operate like it's an MFA, even though it's a BFA. That's really funny. But they, you know, they have a like a very um, kind of serious, especially when you're like a junior and a senior, you know, there's a lot of critique, very heavy critique. You mm-hmm. know, we had classes that would last six hours, um, you know, very focused. Most classes are only 10 to 12 people. So it has this kind of MFA feel in a way. Um so I think that's why like in a way that's really good because you learn a lot, you know, we read a lot, we write a lot, we write more than we would paint. Um, you know, it was a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of essays, a lot of discussions, um, a lot of theory and, and a lot of lots of critique. And I think that, you know, even though I had a bad experience at times, I had a good experience at times too. I think it it definitely overall helped me. It was kind of like, You know, I had some tough situations, especially like racially charged situations, but it just made me stronger. It made me want to like prove myself, I guess, Mm -hmm, in a mm -hmm, way. mm -hmm. Um, And if it wasn't for COVID, I probably would have been in the MFA program right now. But there was just so many factors like my career started taking off. Then it was, you know, COVID and everything was just kind of pointing me to the direction of like getting the studio and working that way. Um, But I don't necessarily have a bad association with school. It was just more like a timing issue. Originally, when I first graduated, I was kind of like so happy that I was done with it. Because it was kind of, you know, I did have some negative associations with it. But now I kind of look at it in a different way.
2: That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's behind you There's no bad blood.
0: It's kind of (laughs) like, I kind of like. To kill them with kindness, because right. I've had I had some teachers, and and particularly who would tell me like your work it's bad, it's not you know like say really mean things and like kind of you know almost instill doubt in me. And now, like, I'll see that same professor at, like, an opening. So it's always nice. It's like, hey, hey,
2: how are you? Bad work, yo. (laughs) Yeah, that's also, yo. What what do you think the one piece was that really caught people's attention and and got you kind of going on this trajectory that you're on?
0: Wow. So I think it was really, like, the summer of 2020. So I had just got my studio. So it was kind of right before my studio. So it was like right around the time I was like about to move in my studio. And then when I first moved in my studio, like that summer of 2020, I had just graduated and I, I had so much time to just work. And so I think, I would say the first one that really like caught people's, well, there was a couple. So there was a couple that happened when I was at Otis. I think there was one called Adam that was one of the pixelated portraits which went kind of viral on Instagram and that was like in 2018 or 2019 and then but I would say I had this painting called of an incandescent memory which is like oh yeah I love another, that one yeah I love that one of nurse feeding. and then like the next painting that I did after that was Age of Aquarius
2: I love that one too yeah
0: and then the next one I think that I did after that was Contemplating Impermanence which was the um, which was kind of like a self portrait. So I had like three or four that were kind of like back to back, which kind of kind of went like like you know a little crazy on Instagram. And then it, I think those were the ones that really like made people like kind of pay attention a little bit more because once I did those, I just remember a lot of galleries started following me, you and know, a lot of like you know institutions and like a bunch of collectors. And and then even before that, with the painting Adam. That was in the AXA competition, and I was one of the finalists. And so I remember a lot of like institutions and stuff started following me with that one. Um, so yeah, there was like kind of it was like a build up, but there was definitely some points where it was like, okay, like she got something here.
2: Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you just named a, a string of hits right there. That's that's like <laughs> that's like, <laughs> like you pulling out like Michael Jackson Thriller with Billie Jean. <laughs> Bat, <laughs> coming, <laughs> coming off the top. Now, I love that, Joe. And it, it's funny yeah. how that can happen. Like um, your relationship to social media. What do you? What do you? Uh, obviously, you feel like it helped you. Like, do you invest a lot in social media? And is that like how you get out there and do your thing?
0: My my relationship with social media is kind of, like, conflicted at times, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think that it's definitely helped my career. Right now, I feel like Instagram is kind of going through a weird phase. Um, But I think, overall, I think it's a good thing. I definitely had a lot of galleries reach out to me through Instagram. But I had some that just kind of happened more, you know, uh, I guess organically, when I would go to a show or something, and yeah, um, but or someone would tell them about my work. So, a lot of times, like word of mouth, or you know, a couple of times, like big outlets have posted me, like artsy or like new American paintings, or like places like that, and then like people would find out about my work that way. So, yeah, I, I overall I think it's a good thing. I try not to like overly. Focus on it as much because i think that sometimes we can equate instagram following or instagram likes to what painting is great right and i don't think that's always the case sometimes it could just be the algorithm is just saying on your side you know you post it at yeah. the wrong time or
2: yeah you
0: know um
2: and sometimes and kinda, sometimes people just like you <laughs> you know and, yeah. and when you put your paintings out like they like you enough to support you, like in whatever you do. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's it just, there's so many factors. So, I just, you know, I just posted, and, you know, but it is always nice to have people like share the work and, and, and see which one kind of resonates with people more. So, I definitely was excited when I was like posting to be moved with the wind. I was like, I know how much, sh- you know, I know they're going to like this one when I post it. So, <laughs> you know, I was excited um, to post it, but, you know, it was, I went through this weird th- thing on Instagram recently where like people were reporting my page a lot. Oh, really? Um, for what? Well, I don't know. Like they were just, well, they were post- saying that I was like posting nudity, even though I wasn't really posting that much nudity. But, and then also some people were just reporting it for spam and different things. Like I had got uh. several r- reports. So I think I was like kind of halfway shadow banned at a certain point um, because I wasn't getting like the the amount of people weren't seeing my posts.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So that's something I'm kind of like working through now, but I'm trying not to focus too much on it. And it's just like, it's, it's not that serious.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You got, I to, think you the got the work. That are yeah. A,
0: yeah. The people that want to see it or that appreciate it at this point, they, they know where to look. And um, I, I, I'm excited to post more of the work from the show. So I am kind of strategic about when I post the work though, because I want to give, each paint in a couple of days to kind of simmer and then I don't want to just post like back to back to back. I want to yeah. kind of space it out a little bit.
2: Yeah. That's what's up, yo. Yeah. That's what's up. I love it, yo. And so as we talk <laughs> about um, how you're building your work, you have an outside studio and is that where you usually work? You've been working there for a while?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, li- I live kind of like about 10 minutes from downtown and I work downtown. So, yeah, I, I, I tried to do the home studio thing again recently, but it's just not for it's just not for me. <laughs> when I'm home, I just want to be home. Right. I don't really want to paint. Maybe that's when I write. I write a lot when I'm home. Right. And I kind of think of a lot of ideas when I'm home. And maybe I'll sketch at the most. But there's something about going to the studio that just really inspires me. And I'm in a part of downtown L.A., which is very festive. So there's something about all that commotion that like does something to me, and and then there's just nothing that can compare to like the studio light that I get. Um. So yeah, I like going to the studio. I just feel like it's time to work when I go to the studio. Right there, you go. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I, it's yeah.
2: <laughs> so so in your studio, are you are you messy? Are you neat? Are you quiet? Mm-hmm. Or are you loud? What what is it? Oh, my gosh, both.
0: All, <laughs> all I would say there's times where my studio is a hot mess. Like, there's times <laughs> where it's just like, you know, I might have a studio visit and I'll be in there cleaning up for two hours just to make sure it looks <laughs> decent before they come over. Um, but then there's times where my studio will be like super, super clean. And I play my music sometimes. And then sometimes I'm like, I'm tired of this music. It'll
2: be kind <laughs> off.
0: So it just really depends. But yeah. I would say most of the time I'm listening to
2: music. What do you listen to?
0: I have, like, a whole studio playlist, and I'm always adding stuff to it. So, it, it it can go from, like, oldies. I'm, like, really an old soul, but I love, like, 70s music, 60s music. Okay, you know, okay. Like
2: yeah.
0: Minnie Riperton, and, like, okay, okay. Uh, Gladys Knight, and Aretha Franklin, and Rufus, and...
2: Oh, Rufus, e- oh my God, oh, okay, now we
0: talking. Yeah, and then right. I, like, listen to, like, 80s and 90s <laughs> alternative, you know... I go through like my hip hop phase where I'm like listening to like rap from the nineties, you know, like Jay Z, nah. Um recently I you know, I love Kendrick Lamar, so I'll listen to him a lot. Yeah. Um, and just like honestly, like everything. I even have like Af- like a lot of different African music from Afrobeats to like Malayan music that I listen to, um, Nubian music, a lot of like kind of strings and with harps and things like that. Um, I also listen to, like, a lot of, I guess it's, like, I don't know if you call it bohemian. It's, it has, like, a kind of relaxing vibe to it. Yeah. So it really just it really just depends. It, it I even listen to classical sometimes, too. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it really depends. But sometimes I, like, I kind of like to mix it up with my playlist. So my playlist can go from, like, classical to, like, you know, something from the seventies to like alternative to hip hop to I love and it. And just got back and I kinda like that vibe because it keeps me on a up and down kind of
2: feel. Oh yeah, yeah. Your studio's a vibe, yo. I love it. That's yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta have the music. It just
2: it just gets you in the vibe. So yeah. <laughs> nah, that's what's up, yo. I, I did see you post online about you wanting to do more drawings Then you talking about drawings uh-huh. as as the finished work that you show in the gallery you want to switch there?
0: I don't say I want to switch, but I just made me want to introduce a little bit more
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah, I actually started off doing drawings, like which no one really saw because I wasn't I was just like a freshman in college and I wasn't doing anything anywhere in any gallery. I didn't even think I could be in a gallery at that time. And so yeah I really love drawing. I I kind of love painting more now because it's like it's just something that has this permanent quality to the to it but I definitely want to get back into doing some drawings and I'm actually when I go to the studio later tonight I'm going to work on some drawings and um in pastel and um yeah I'm kind of excited to kind of explore that a little bit. I do want to do some big drawings, like the size of like maybe Reformation, like that size,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: eventually. But I'm trying to find like the right surface for them. Oh yeah, because I don't want that on paper. I maybe want it on like even thought about doing like pastel on canvas,
2: mm. like
0: on linen, like on linen canvas, which would be un you know unjessoed. So, yeah, I'm going to experiment a little bit with it because I just feel like I feel like drawing is a little bit more immediate and um, I can kind of play a little bit, maybe more with like linear features of it. So, yeah, I just want to keep exploring. But right now, I think the thing that I'm most excited for is probably playing with this playing with color a little bit more, whether it be drawing or painting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting, yo. That's exciting. I, I love it that you're you're in that kind of space and you you got that kind of confidence where it's just like, I'm going to do what I'm called to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and just yeah. kind of let it happen. That's that's beautiful, yo.
0: I really just want I feel like I'm in a space of like really showing, I want to really show like the multiplicity of what I can do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think you know, that's, you know, I I kind of, I guess used to fear it a little bit. And now I'm just like, I just want to, I just want to show more.
2: Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, yo. I think right now, especially, is a space where, I mean, I, I actually just question. in terms of how do you feel that Black women artists are being represented right now? I personally think that it's a lot of fantastic Black women artists that are just absolutely killing it and raising the level on, like, what art can be, what it should look like, and representation in terms of what they're talking about, too. Like, what do you think about that?
0: I mean, I'm biased. I think the <laughs> women are feeling it. I don't necessarily know if they're getting the same amount of attention as the men, but I definitely, I mean, I love women like Toyin. Um, You know, there's, there's a lot of, like, women artists that I just love and a lot of male artists that I love too, but I definitely think we're, we're just switching, switching it up, trying to try new things. And, and I'm all, I'm excited for that. I'm just, I'm, I'm really thankful to be like during to be working during a time that's like kind of like this Renaissance.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. You're definitely in the wave. (laughs) you're definitely out there in the wave, making fantastic work, you know, I was speaking of Toyin. Toyin has some uh, amazing drawings that were at the Hirshhorn. They they may still be at the Hirshhorn in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, look those up if you're thinking about like drawing, like you know maybe. Yeah, you no, know, I have.
0: I, I really have. I, I love, I love her work, and I just think that
2: she's so experimental. Yeah.
0: And she also has this kind of narrative quality. So oh yeah, you know early yeah. on when I was when I was trying to craft a, a narrative, and you know I would look to other artists and. And, and see, like, oh, wow, this artist is doing it. And I think when you see other artists doing it, it gives you confidence, too, that, you know, that that's okay. Because yeah. I think when, when I was at Otis early on, I didn't really know, like, where to navigate towards. Because it was just, like, it was so highly conceptual in, you know, kind of a modernistic way. And so when I would see other artists like, like her or Titus Kaphar or, mm-hmm. you know, I would think, like, you know, even, you know, other artists that aren't necessarily African-American that were doing, you know, kind of narrative work. It was like, wow, okay, this can be done, you know, because I think we always question ourselves, like, are people going to get this? Are people going to think that it's too, like, story? Or are people going to think that it's, like, kind of silly or whatever? But I think there's no one way to do anything. There's so many different ways and so many different approaches. And, and that gives me the confidence to just really believe in myself. So I look at other artists, but I don't necessarily, I'm kind of just in my own little bubble at the same time. Like I do look at other artists, but I just feel like, you know, there's so much that I want to dig into as far as like in my chest of things that I feel like maybe haven't been touched on as much. Um, I, th- I think eventually I do want to get into more of a personal level with the work, but I'm just trying to find the right way to like journey into that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I'm always like just thinking.
2: <laughs> thinking <you laughs> too much. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it, Joe. I love it. And so yeah, as we finish up, I actually you about one last piece, which is one of my favorite pieces by you. Um my uh, forgive me if I don't pronounce it right. My my kick my M A K I D A D A. How are you spelling?
0: Oh, Maki Dada.
2: Maki Dada. That piece you is so wonderful, yo.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, yes, so. you and me, as never part. Maki Dada. So that actually is about a friend of mine who um, has been a missing person since I first came to LA. Oh, she's still missing? hmm Oh, wow. So, yeah, we came to LA together. I was 17 and she was 16. I know, it was very... Um, kind of grew up fast actually, and then we came to LA together to like follow our dreams. My grandmother actually was we came originally to, to visit my grandmother, but about a few months before I came, she passed away. Mm. Um, and she well, she had moved up north to Seattle, and then you know, and then she passed away there, and I. Um, you know, came with my you know my best friend out here, and and she was always like my ride or die. We were like two peas in a pod. Um, and several months later, she ended up becoming a missing person. And me and her, we used to love watching *Color Purple*, and um, we would always like interact that scene with the two sisters because yeah. it was like she was like my sister, yeah. even though she was my best friend. It was like we were sisters. Like I was closer to her than like my my um, blood sisters. So I saw an image that was an old image. It was probably from the early 1900s of two Black girls that one was doing the other girl's hair. And it made me think of her because the, one of the girls looked like her. And so um, it really like inspired the painting. And I, I started thinking about her, and that's why it's called Makidada. UMES never part my kidada Asia's memory
2: because her name was Asia. So yeah. Oh man, I I love that. I, I didn't even know And it, it resonated with me just because <laughs> I, I I don't know. I love the I love the spirit of it. The sisterhood. That some some about that showing that connection between Black women, Black people in general. All of that is goes through all your pieces. It's just so wonderful to see. I, you you are amazing. <laughs> it's been such a oh. such a pleasure to get to talk to you, y'all. Tell everybody where they can if- find you.
0: Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Lani's underscore Howard underscore studio or website Lani's Or you can just Google Lani's Howard and um, some of the websites with galleries that I'm showing with will come up as well, including the show at Seasons should come up. And there's a whole PDF of the show, I believe. So, yeah,
2: All right, that's good stuff. Oh, yeah. Tell us tell what oh, you got uh, coming up. What I got
0: coming up? Okay, so it's a busy year. <laughs> so I have two group shows coming up. One June twenty fifth, and that's with um, my gallery in Miami, Mindy Solomon. Um, that show is called Hospitality Suite. It's it's kind of all about like women being like the protector of men in a way, and so um, that's yeah, June twenty fifth. And then there's a a group show June uh, July third in LA at albert's bender gallery and um it's my first time showing with them so i'm kind of excited about that
2: No, wow, it's good
0: and then um and then yeah and then there's another group show in august <laughs> at um hashimoto contemporary so
2: oh man you're killing it joe killing it <laughs> joe i'd love to see it love to yeah. see it
0: <laughs> so yeah a lot of work but i'm excited i i, I had to kind of drop a few shows recently and just pick which was best and make sure I give myself enough time to create the work.
1: Absolutely. So yeah,
0: it's yeah. busy but it's it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited um, to show. And then also um, my next solo show is going to be at the end of August, uh, at the end of October in Italy and Ooh. that will be the sequel to this show.
2: So uh, that's fantastic. That so,
0: yeah, but not going to be as many paintings, but it's it's re- I'm really excited because it has kind of a darker theme to it. And the colors are going to be a little darker. So it's going to be
2: kind of fun to play with that more. Yes. I I personally can't wait to see it. <laughs> I know everybody else. Out then I'm taking a break
0: after that for a few months until the beginning of next year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go. You deserve a break, yo. <laughs> I'm
0: still gonna be working, but it's like I'm just gonna be working behind the scenes.
2: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's what's yeah. up. <laughs> That's what's up, yo. You gotta
0: balance it. You just can't, you know, you're not you're not a assembly line. You have to give yourself time to like let things maturate and, you know, take a little break. So but I'm like I'm young. i I don't, I know when I'm working too hard
2: I and I need a break
0: and I feel like it's just, it's time to, you know, I'm, I'm inspired and I'm excited to work. So
2: that's what's up, man. Everybody should know that you know what you're doing by now, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you got, you got it going, yo. That's what's up. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on the show. Laniece Howard. appreciate you.
0: Yes. I appreciate you too. Thank you.
2: And that's it another episode of studio noise in the bag big shout out to lenise howard doing a thing west coast girl international oh i love it it's your boy next week we got deborah grayson on the podcast printmaker doll maker all kinds of things just artists all over the show it's all my artists out there i want y'all to get ready check your color wheels mix your palettes up correctly do everything you got to do, but be ready to make that noise in the studio. It's your time, baby. Your time to shine. Yes, I'm going to go shine right now. <laughs> your boy, Jay Barber. I'll see you all next week. Peace.
1: Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.